Welcome to The Unstoppable Singer. I'm your host, Danielle Tucker, a professional vocalist, vocal coach, and a lead singer of the Mighty Untouchables Band. I'm also the producer and host of the Pandemic Proof Singer Summit and The Unstoppable Singer. The Unstoppable Singer follows the lives of real professional singers who've made incredible achievements in their lives and careers. We cover everything from voice work, making money, booking gigs, songwriting, recording, session work, and more. If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. Now on with the show. It is Devin Rush. She is a powerhouse vocalist and songwriter who most recently won Performance of the Year at the 2022 Production Music Awards in Los Angeles, Um, featured on season 10 of American Idol. She grew up in a musical family in a town outside Philadelphia. She began singing as soon as she could talk and began acting in musicals and TVs as a kid. Uh, She has performed at Lincoln Center, uh, originating a role in the 2007 Tony Award-winning musical Spring Awakening, and um, so much more. There, We have a ton of stuff to talk about. I'm going to let her tell you a lot about her background, too. So without further ado, let me bring her on. Hello, Devin. Hi, Danielle. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to have you. And I'm so glad we had the opportunity to play your song. I mean, I'm unstoppable. So I, how could we not play that on the unstoppable singer? It's, it's yeah. amazing though. Congratulations on that uh, win for you too. Thank you so much. It was really exciting and super, super surprising because um, I recorded and wrote that with AJ after party. Um, like three or four years ago. So that was, that was a really surprising thing to, to win vocal performance this year. Nice. That's awesome. Wow. Well, so let's talk about this year. We're coming to the end of 2022. It feels like the year really flew by. Tell me how the year went for you and what you've been up to. Yeah. Happy winter solstice. Yeah. That's right. Um, well, this year's been been uh, a lot of wow. It's been a lot of this, you know, like just a lot of changes, um, a lot of personal growth, a lot of professional um, changes. I, my trajectory has changed so many times throughout my career, and this year has been just another example of that. At the beginning of the year, I made a goal to myself. I had this little thing that I kept saying to myself was, I want to travel and I want to use musical music as the vehicle to do it. I want to travel and I want to use music as the vehicle to do it. And as a result, I guess, of that focus, um, I ended up going to Montreal this year, going to Italy this year, all for music related things, New York, back to back home. And um, it's really just been a year that's been like a mishmash of a lot of things. Okay. So... Um, I really enjoyed that. I love versatility. I love getting to or diversity in in all in all the different things that we get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a really fun year. Super yeah, fun. that's amazing. Well, so tell me what you were what were you doing? What were you performing out on the road? Wow. Okay. So yeah, you know, like I I always thought that if I wanted to travel for music, it would mean that I'd need to be a touring artist. And Mm -hmm. I got really surprised this year. I really think that making goals and big strokes is, 
is really fun just going broad strokes because you never know what's going to happen like i didn't get very specific about that goal i just said i want to travel for music and as a result so um it started with new york um i went i i i was contacted by a, a producer this year to start a songwriting for a new musical um and that brought me to new york and to montreal this year mm -hmm. um I don't know what's going to happen with that project in particular, but it really opened my eyes to a lot of really great things and we'll see what happens. Um, I went to New York, I think it was at the end of last year, maybe I can't even keep track now, but there's, there's a musical that I'm working on um, that I, I'm the vocal arranger for called millennials are killing musicals. And that brought me to New York. And then um, Italy was for a songwriting camp with a, publisher for Asian pop because I write a lot of K-pop and J-pop. So that brought a whole slew of new friends and just it was it was an unbelievable experience. My husband and I decided to go um, on a little vacation for a week first and then um, he flew home and I went to my songwriting camp and I wrote nine songs in four days at that camp and mm -hmm. just met some of the most awesome people ever from 11 different countries. Uh, so this year has definitely, it's been a huge mishmash of things and I really got to travel and got that bug out <laughs> and yeah. now I'm happy to be settled home for a little while. Yeah, that's great. So what do you attribute that all working out to? So, I mean, obviously you made the declaration that you wanted to, uh, travel with music and everything. So do you think the just putting it out there into the universe did you find that these opportunities just kind of started um appearing for you or were you kind of deliberately going out and seeking out things that would bring you other places i don't know i think it's a little combination of both like i said that right at the top of the year i think i wrote it down to myself and then mm -hmm. in february a co-writer of mine who lives in austria that i've been writing with for a few years I write top line for him, um, emailed me and he was like, Hey, Peter from star lab publishing, who he, who Axel, my co-writer had been in touch with, um, is having a, a songwriting camp in Italy. And he wants to invite both of us. If, if you're interested, I'll have him email you. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, and this was, I don't know, maybe it was just like, I don't know, would I have been brave enough to do that? Like yeah. before making that goal, like, um, would I have taken it seriously? You know, I, I, I had him send me the email. I, I looked at everything. I was, I was amazed that, that, that was an opportunity that was, that was popping up mm -hmm. so quickly. And, um, and I'm so glad that I went. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny how the universe works sometimes. Yeah, it's, it is funny. Well, I mentioned a few things, um, about your um about how you got started or when you got started obviously from a young age but i'd love for you to take us back there and kind of walk us through um you know what your what your family background was and um how you know the music bug got you yeah oh wow so um my mom is a voice teacher my dad uh is a chiropractor but he was in bands my whole life um and mm -hmm. My sister's also a songwriter and uh, and she works as a talent producer now for America's Got Talent. 
Um, so mm. all of us, everybody is just super musical. And um, it was just always there, you know, and um, I started out doing shows like regional productions of, of shows when I was really little, um, starting at four, and then started to go to New York for auditions with my mom when I was eight or nine, I think. Um, mm. I was auditioning more in Philadelphia, because that's where we lived and doing commercials and 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 things for Nickelodeon, things like that. No, Nickelodeon didn't come until I started auditioning in New York. And that was, yeah, when I was eight or nine, I started auditioning for Nickelodeon commercials and um, a little bit of musical theater in New York, but mostly more of that film and TV stuff. And when I was a teenager, um, I was really, really deep in going to auditions every week in New York, getting picked up early to go, um, go get on the train with my mom and go. Um, and I, and then just being like a showbiz kid was like my life, you know, I didn't do many of the school sports. I, I, I was leaving school and homeschooled a couple times here and there for shows in New York. And, uh, just like, I don't know, got, got the bug and kept the bug. And my parents always said, if, if this is not fun for you, you don't have to do it. It was never something I was forced into doing. But yeah. I just loved it. And I realized that music, singing was always more comfortable for me than acting and definitely more comfortable for me than dancing. Um, and um, when I, after high school, I moved straight to New York. Also, my mom's idea, she said, you know, you can go to college if you want, but maybe I think you should keep the ball rolling and just move to New York and see what happens. And so I did that. And um, one year off from school turned into just not going to college and again, having the trajectory just change over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. And I moved, I lived in New York for four years and now I've lived in LA for nine. And um, the career that I've got now is, I mean, it's beyond my wildest dreams and it's also beyond anything that I could have imagined doing when I was a kid, you know, like, I think when you're a little girl who sings, tell me if this happened with you. Like everybody says like, oh, they say like the sweet things. Like I, you're going to be famous someday. I'm going to see yeah. your name and I'll just remember we, me when and all this like stuff that is cute at the time. But then it really, for me, kind of shaped what I thought I was supposed to do. And yeah. I think one of the reasons this year was so fun for me is because this year has been full of sitting with myself, checking in and saying, okay, let's put aside what you're supposed to do, what you think you're supposed to do. What does Devin really want? What really will fill me and make me happy? And I really think that that's those check-ins are so important. It's easy to get on a train that's not ever stopping, especially when you've been doing it your whole life. Um, yeah. 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 That, I, I really, I love that you mention that too, that, yeah, as we're, when we're kids, uh, especially, you know, when you're coming from a, a musical family too, uh, the things that are said to us really do influence so much around, you know, how, how this whole picture is really supposed to play out for you. And mm -hmm. it's so funny you said that because just this past week, I took my daughter's and some of their friends um, for a little trip to Universal Studios. So we went to Hollywood and they'd never been out there before. And so they were all so just over the moon about going to Hollywood and how cool it was. <laughs> when, as soon as they saw the Hollywood sign, they started freaking out and screaming in the car and everything. And um, 
a, a childhood memory kind of struck me because um, I lived on the East Coast for a long time, but we would come out to see my grandparents here. And a couple of times, my parents took me to Universal Studios, and and I, you know, was already singing at a young age and everything. And I remember they always used to tell me, "You might get discovered while you're in Hollywood." And you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, "Well, yeah, probably." And so <laughs> you know, we'd get ready to go to the theme park, and I would wear these completely impractical outfits to go to a theme park because I might get discovered. So I need to like be wearing something like, you know, a dress and heels and, and things like that. And, you know, be all done up and everything. And I would walk through the park, like really presenting myself that, you know, someone might, I might catch someone's eye. They may recognize me as being a singer and <laughs> that'll be that. You know, but anyway, I, I get I, all that to say that I get those those yeah. messages from childhood. They just they they follow you. They follow oh, you they so do. far into life until you do do those check ins and go, wait a second, what the heck am I doing this for? Like, is this really what I want to be doing? And yeah, yeah, and like I witnessed, I had a a student. Oh my god, she's like seventeen now, but when she was nine, I I brought her up on stage with me when I was singing and um in between sets, I saw a woman say to her that very thing, you're going to be famous someday. And I didn't mm -hmm. want to correct the woman, but I did want to just kind of like adjust the situation. And yeah. I just said, and you know what, Maddie, even if you're not, that's okay too, because no matter yeah. what you can sing, if you want to, it's just so important to me because I also think that it's easy when we're told things to be put to put ourselves in boxes. And I think mm -hmm. that the best thing about being a singer, being an artist for a living is that you're not putting yourself in a box. You're out, you, your job is to be outside of a box. Right. Um, and I really, really just now that I'm, I'm going to be 33 next month. And now that I've been doing this in this capacity for over a decade, I, really have gotten to see all these different perspectives and it makes me feel so much better knowing well you don't have to choose you don't want to choose you don't have to yeah yeah you know that's that yeah. no yeah definitely that's great messaging and um i think it is especially yeah when you're working with kids too trying to paint a different picture of what the music industry or, or world or singing life has to offer you because more often than not, that picture is painted of like, you know, oh, you're going to be a big recording artist. You're going to be, you know, have records and everything be famous. And, and in our minds that, that tells us, you know, that, that is the end goal. That is where you're always shooting to be. We don't know that there are all of these many, many different avenues um, in the business that you can go down that are, that are all, you know, very, most of them, very satisfying, very, you know, you get a, a great sense of success. Um, even if you're not, you know, recognized as being famous or anything. And I think it is, it's important to show, you know, the younger generation coming up, like what all those possibilities are and, and how, uh, how many different platforms you can use avenues yeah. you can use to, for your voice. Yeah. I so agree. Cause it's just such yeah. a great, it's such a great, life filled with so much substance when you just don't make yourself choose and you just get to do yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah.
That's great. So tell me, you have, I mean, you've got a lot of different projects going on. You've done a quite, quite a lot of different things throughout your career. Um, tell me what the day in the life of Devin Rush is now, like what, <laughs> what in any given day, any given week, what is the project balance or the project dance looking like for you? Okay. So day in the life. First thing is getting up with my husband, Jeremy, and the coffee ritual because my hut so if you follow either of us on instagram especially him like he is such a coffee guy it's ridiculous and like it's the best hobby in the world because we I, it's very mutually beneficial i mean he really he makes me the best lattes ever so we nice. start out the day with that um and uh we take our dog larry david for a walk um, my dog's name is Larry, Larry David. David. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and, um, and I usually start the day out with, with a workout, either it's yoga or, um, I just started, I had shoulder surgery last year and mm -hmm. I've started to lift weights and it's been feeling really good. So I'll do some weightlifting, some stuff, stuff like that at home. Um, and I usually take my, my like cardio exercise time to listen to mixes that are coming in and that's that's become a little like ritual that I do if I have uh, a song that I've written that the producer sends me the mix back then it's fun to like work out because a lot of times most of the time it's like fun k-pop stuff so I have to hear it on a good speaker and so I'm in um in our home studio and then uh I I'm saying all that because I've been realizing especially recently how important it is for like to have breakfast and to like sleep and like, you know, all that stuff <laughs> that like I neglected for a little while because I was stressed out and I wasn't, you know, so I focus a lot on that stuff. And then around 11 a.m. is usually when I get into the studio and start working on projects. And I, I have all of my days laid out already. I really love automating things. So my calendar for the week is always laid out for me in advance. And then if something, a new project comes in and I have to move things around, then I just make sure I let other clients know if there's not a deadline, you know, so it's just the days are, are all about, for me, it's all about keeping things super organized so that I never miss a deadline so that I can be reliable for people and so that I don't get overwhelmed and, and it stays fun. Um, so every day is a little bit different, which I love. Um, today it was singing a K-pop song that a couple friends of mine wrote and needed me to sing for them. And they're both in Sweden. So we've been going back and forth and dealing with the time difference. Um, some days it's, um, writing top line to a K-pop song. So that, what that looks like is in over the course of like a two or so hour session, I'll write the melody and the lyrics and I'll record as I'm going. And that way everything is done really fast and I can get it to meet the deadline for the publisher. Um, and then uh, sometimes I'm working, I just, I just am about to wrap a project, a musical theater project with somebody who lives in Washington, DC, who is, um, he wrote this amazing musical and I've gotten to sing all of the female characters for the show. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's been a lot of like, I'll get in, getting in the studio and looking at the different songs that he has for me that he needs me to do. So it's really like, and then, and then sometimes like a commercial will come in last minute, like a commercial demo. And so it's just, every day is different. Some days are super busy. Some days are not. And those are okay too. And I've just been really learning to just ride, ride the whole wave, you know?
Yeah. Yeah. I love um, how you shared your organizational system and how important that is to stay on (laughs) top of those things. Because yeah, when you're involved in so many different um, projects and then there's so many different, probably, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, phases, I guess, of the project, right? Mm -hmm. Sending mixes back and forth, you know, ideas, correction, edits, everything going back and forth. Tell me more about your system. What kind, are you on a calendaring system, a project management system? I mean, I, I don't know if my system is like, I know other people, I, I, I was with a friend the other night, I was making fun of him because he like sets reminders. I don't ever use the reminder app. Everything is color coded in my calendar, including my to, my, my to-do list is purple and then business is blue, green is personal. And so like everything is laid out. I just love organization. It makes me feel just good. You know, are you, yeah. how are you with like, are you oh, like all about this life? I'm very yeah. excited right now. <laughs> you understand. It's like this, like <laughs> you ever watched that show. Um, I can't think of what it's called right now. It's the show where they like do all the containers and they like go to people's houses and they put things in containers and it's totally sponsored by the container store and they do little mini commercials for it throughout. And I wish I could think of the name because it's very anticlimactic story, but that's how I am. And I, lo- I it, borderline OCD, but it doesn't make me feel stressed. It makes me feel very, very happy and fulfilled. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I have my calendar um, that's color coded. I make sure now as of this year that I have a lunch break in there because I was skipping that. You don't want to uh. be skipping lunch while you're singing K-pop. K-pop needs lunch. And, um, <laughs> and uh yeah, it's just it's just uh, keeping everything in a way that just feels like I can look at my calendar the night before and say, mm-hmm. okay, does this day feel realistic? Does anything feel overwhelming that I need to and can move to the next day? You know, just a lot of like check-ins all the time to make sure that things feel good because mm-hmm. everything that we do is self-motivative. Everything that we do is um, is requires that kind of organization so that people know that they can come back and come back to us and know that they're going to get what they need from us in time and, and, you know, all of that. So it's fun. Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I, I need this in my life for next year. I mean, I'm pretty organized as it is, but I know the color coding, you you had me at color coding for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny as creatives, there's always this kind of perception or picture painted of uh, musicians, creatives that we're kind of a hot mess and, you know, (laughs) disorganized. We wake up at noon and, and um, just kind of fly by the seat of our pants. And when, when, um, when inspiration strikes, that's when you work and everything. But that is clearly, clearly not the case for you and many, many others. It's your system is it's very professional. Obviously, it's um, worked in your favor because I'm sure you've got quite a lot of repeat business clients who are happy, who, who know that they can um, depend on you. Um, now, would you say that this is uh, this way of being disciplined, you've always been like this, or did you kind of have to really, Mm. or did you ever hit a a place where you thought, Oh my God, I really need to get my act together or, you know, I'm going to, uh, like it was too overwhelming, I guess is what I'm asking. Oh, when you just said that it made it, it sparked a really good memory. I'm just turning off the heat because it's just got really hot in here. Um, I sparked a memory. So when I was 
when I was um, 15, I was in Spring Awakening, which was, um, they won the 2007 Tony Award, uh, best, sorry, the best musical at the Tony Awards in 2007. Um, I was not involved in the Broadway production, and maybe we'll get into that Mm-hmm. because it's I think it's just as important to talk about like rejections and things like that as it is yeah, to talk about accomplishments because um, woo, that was hard but when I was 14 I got cast when I was 15 I did it and then when I was 16 I was understudying in Spring Awakening off Broadway before it did the Broadway run and I was cast to understudy three of the roles and so I had to in over the course of just a few weeks for the summer of 2006 I had to learn the choreography, the harmony parts, and the lines, spoken lines for all three of these girls. Mm. And I have it at my parents' house. I have the green Spring Awakening binder of the script, and I had color-coded it. And it was pink, green, and blue, highlighter, and pen for each. So each character was a different color. And so I have, when I look at that script, it brings back so many good memories because I wrote down my goal for being off book. And then I wrote the date that I actually was off book. And I remember how proud I was that I got off book early. And I don't know. I think, I think I can attribute it to my mom because my mom growing up, like she was always on time. Like Susie's never late for anything. She's always early. She's always, you know, and she was always, she was the one bringing me to auditions when I was a kid and we were always on time. And I remember being in New York and she'd go, come on, Devin, pick up your feet, pick up your feet. But I was, (laughs) so I didn't know what that meant. So I would actually be picking up my feet, which meant I was slowing us down even more. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think maybe just this like type A thing has always been in me a little bit Mm -hmm. and I'm learning in my adult life how to approach type a with self-love and not with a ton of pressure because I think Mm -hmm. that that can tip scales either way you can drive yourself nuts and um and I have but I've also um I I think I'm in a in a place now where it feels very balanced and I realize the balance is part of feeling organized Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah That's good. Very good point. Yeah. And I, and I love to see, you know, that, that, that this, this way of being is working so well for you. Uh, But I do, let's definitely step back and talk about Spring Awakening and the experience that you referred to. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that uh, it's really, I, I, I have a whole thought in my head of how this would, would come back full circle, but um, so I'll start with when I was four years old, and that was the first time that I had my my very first show business rejection. I was um, playing Gretel in The Sound of Music. My sister was playing Marta. So for anybody that doesn't know, Gretel's the youngest, and she's like five, and then Marta is six or seven. And so Lindsay, my sister, was playing Marta. I was Gretel. And one day, like two weeks before the show opened, we get a call from the director saying that due to child labor laws, I wasn't allowed to be in the show. Oh, no. So I guess I had to be five and I was four and nobody knew. And I don't know. We oh. didn't know that that was a thing. So my sister ended up playing Gretel. Oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, so, um, 
that was first so that was you know that was the first little like little piece of like this business will chew you up and eat you alive kid you know yeah <laughs> um then when i was eight um, but my sister did a great job playing Gretel and I got to watch. So cool. Um, <laughs> Can I just ask, how did your, how did your parents talk you through that experience? I don't remember exactly, but I can tell you that they handled it really well because mm -hmm. I don't have any like real scar from it other than feeling very sad, knowing, yeah. like knowing that I felt very sad. And I think I was the one who answered the phone. I think I answered the phone. They said, Hey, Devin, is your mommy there? You know? And, um, I can tell you different times though that the way that my mom handled my my disappointments over the years. Um, mm -hmm. When I was eight, I broke my arm, mm -hmm. and I was um, I was um, cast hey um, to be in um, uh, a Nickelodeon commercial, mm -hmm. and I had done a photo shoot for the commercial before we had to actually do the commercial shoot, and like. They were so gung-ho. They were so excited. I remember how excited the whole crew was that they that they made me the Melanie, the girl in the commercial and all this. And then I broke my arm. Mm. My mom and I woke up at like, I don't know, 4.30 in the morning to go somewhere in New Jersey to shoot the commercial. And when I got there, they introduced me to this other little girl who was my age and said she was going to be playing my friend in the show. No, she was not. She was there to replace me in case I couldn't do it with my broken arm. And there was a scene where I had to hold a clipboard and it was my right hand, which is my dominant or no, it was my left arm. But they had like they had me holding the clipboard. Yeah. And I was like trying to work with them. I remember being really positive about it because I was in the sling so I could take it off. And I remember just saying, oh, no, no, you know, it's okay. Like I can hold it like this. Like I could hold it like this, you know, like a real showbiz, like always on kid. Yeah. And uh, after that scene, I took a long nap. And it was like I remember thinking like, like this has been a long time since I've done anything. And the director came over to my mom and then he came over to me and this ended up later being the director of Modern Family. And um, he was so sweet and he got down to my level and he said, I'm so sorry, we have to send you home. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I don't know if I should be proud of this or not. I'm kind of proud of it because I was <laughs> such a ham. I said, now not only is my arm broken, my heart's broken too. Oh my God. <laughs> He's so like, I quit. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> or he's like, oh, stupid showbiz kids. Like, just know how to ham it up. Um, so that happened. My mom handled it really well. Um, and yeah, I just remember like throughout the years of just like being on hold for a commercial, being released for the hold, um, being told that I was it was between me and one other girl, but I was just a little too tall, you know, like things like mm -hmm. that that happened. Spring awakening. I was cast in Spring Awakening when I was 14, turning 15. It was for the, it was the last staged reading that was at Lincoln Center before it went off Broadway. So it was that last to get funding to go um, to do a commercial production. And I was cast in a role named Anna. And so what happened was I, I auditioned um, for a few different roles. And um, when I, and I kept getting callback after callback. And then they sent me home and I thought I didn't get it. And then my mom came to school and 
she had this huge smile on her face. She pulled me out of English class. She has this huge smile on my face. I was like, oh my God, no way. She was like, you, you got it. And she said, but there's a catch. You weren't right for any of the parts that they had that you auditioned for. So they're going to write one for you. Wow. And I mean, it was like the most amazing feeling in the world. And um, wow, I ended up doing that uh, two week, the 29 hour reading for Spring Awakening and um, turned 15 during that and, and um, was homeschooled in New York during that and just met some really great people and made really good friends. And then the show was picked up to go off Broadway. And I think that due to equity law, I could be wrong and this may have changed, but due to equity law, they need, needed to re-audition everybody. And I re-auditioned. I didn't get it. So like the mind, you know, screw of um, that was like, oh, wait, you wrote the part for me. I didn't get it. Okay. So I had to kind of process that. Yeah. Moved on, you know, like gave myself some time to grieve that, moved on. Then got a phone call that they wanted me to come back and audition to understudy three of the roles for the off-Broadway production. And I booked it. And my mom and I moved to uh, to New York together, lived there for six weeks over the summer, right before my junior year of high school, um, got to go on a few times. It was great. And then um, the show got picked up to go off broad to go to Broadway and they took us out to dinner and um, they raised a toast and they said, we're so excited to bring all of you with us to Broadway. And I'm going, holy shit, excuse me, I'm 16 and my dreams are about to come true. Like this is yeah. all I wanted. And like Wicked had only been out for a couple of years. Like I was in love with Adina Menzel. Like this was my, I was so excited. Yeah. Um, And every day I called my mom from the locker room at school asking if we got the contract because they just kept saying, we're going to give the principals the contract first and then we're going to give you yours. So I called my mom every day and my mom was like, Devin, I'm going to come to school when you get that contract. Okay. I'm coming to school when you get the contract. Mm -hmm. And one night I had a friend over and my friend's mom was over because my, our moms were friends. They were hanging out and my manager calls and she says that she had been at a party where, where the director of spring awakening had, had been. I said to my mom, did you hear any, did she say anything? And my mom said, no, two hours later. My poor mom held this in. Two hours later, oh, my friend and his mom leave. My mom shuts the door and she goes, you didn't get it. And it was like, man, I mean, just like a rug, just like right. On, like I was really, really waiting for the contract. Like there was no indication. Yeah, There was nothing I had gone on did the show like it all went well there's there is no rhyme and reason and like sometimes I'm reluctant I always want people to think I'm like super positive all the time and I am I'm really happy and I also think it's so important to look at these things and say sometimes these things that are totally out of our control have no rhyme or reason happen and mm -hmm. now I'm on the other side of it as a vocal arranger and a songwriter for musical theater yeah. and I'm seeing like hey like my job could change. My job could go away just as easily with that too. Like there's just no certainties with any part of, of this business at all. Yeah. And I think ultimately um, 
you know, it, it, it taught me, it gave me a thicker skin for sure. And it also taught me to ask myself, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to hurt over sometimes? You know, like I realized later that I wasn't willing to hurt over that anymore. I didn't want to yeah. keep on auditioning and, and feeling those rejections. And now if an audition comes up, I discern whether it's the right thing for me to audition for or not, you know, um, yeah. because I think it really does take it takes a lot of a lot of tough tough skin to uh, to keep on doing that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, boy, does it ever! And it's great that you are telling us about this too, because it's so true that it doesn't really matter how good you are, how professional you are, you know, at what you're doing, how many jobs you have lined up. Life can turn on a dime. And, you know, what, what you have today can be taken away tomorrow for, for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, COVID hello, like, I know. Look what that yeah. did, <laughs> did to all of us. I mean, uh, these things just happen. Um, what, so you, you said that you would ask yourself, like, what am I, what am I willing to, to hurt over? Or am I willing to like, kind of continue to let this go on for mm. me? What are some other things or, you know, messages that you've had to um, develop for yourself over the years to keep you going in a business like this that is so uncertain and just there's so much rejection with it. You have mm -hmm. really got to have thick skin, a ton of grit, a lot mm -hmm. of just inner drive within yourself that that makes you want to keep Rejecting yourself to this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like, why? So what, what <laughs> is it that you kind of internally have developed throughout the years that have helped you keep positive and, and push through and still still even want this? I think it's because there's because, like you said, so much can change in a moment's notice, but that goes for for worse or also for better. Yeah. And I think that it's about realizing that there are ebbs and flows. And like um, I was listening to your podcast. Um, and familiarizing myself with the platform. And I, I heard you saying that, that people who are, you know, new to the business or want to get into the business are listening. And that's, that's a big reason why I'm talking about these things, because I think it's so easy to look at somebody's career and go like, oh, overnight or, or whatever it may, or like, oh, everything's so easy, you know, whatever. And social media, don't even get me started on social media and like how we all, you know, we all have to present ourselves in a certain way. But the reality is like, I think the reward is so much greater than the rejection sometimes. Like mm -hmm. I look back at things, I have this game that I play and this is the, like, this is the big um, thing that I think ha has helped me over the years to answer that question. I have a game that I play where every time that something good happens, I go, okay, who introduced who introduced me to that person? How did I meet them? What happened there? How did that, and so much of the time, pretty much all of the time, it dates back to like 10 years ago when some random thing happened. I think that you and Gerald White were talking a little bit about that too, um, that you just never know like those wow moments of like things that you could have never, like I had strep throat, which made me start watching a TV show that then made me, it's like a whole thing, like the things that that's a whole other story, but like so many things that you look back and go, Oh, if that rejection hadn't happened, yeah, if that thing hadn't happened, or if that, whatever, I wouldn't have made that decision or met that person. 
And so I think that a huge part of sticking with it is having knowing that even though you might not know what that the incentive is, Mm -hmm. something good will always come. Um, As long as I keep on doing those check ins and making sure that what I'm doing is truly what I want to be doing and that I'm, I'm not going off course because I think I'm supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Oh, such, such great <laughs> advice too. And that's really, that's one of my favorite things to reflect on too, is looking back and seeing where the snowball started. Like yes. where, where did the plant, the seed get planted in the first place? Because it really is remarkable how, um, huge, huge things in our life, huge highlights, uh, come from just small moments where we just, we took one small step out of our comfort zone, or we were willing to throw our hat in the ring for something, or we just took a chance, you know, or we, or we, you know, um, made a connection with somebody. And then you look down the line and it's really remarkable how one thing leads to another, to another, to another. Uh, and it is, really important to acknowledge that and um also treat the work you you do treat your treat the way you network with people with such good care you know knowing oh, yeah. that nobody's too small for you <laughs> no mm-hmm. experiences beneath you you know you've got to really treat every opportunity with um with great importance and and because you just never ever know what what might be down the line from that. You really really don't. You really don't. And it's like, it's the magic of this. You know, it really feels so magical. Like whatever Mm -hmm. the universe does, whatever, whatever, there's so much that gets to be created and um, things really can work out better than you might expect them to. Yeah, definitely. Um, It, this kind of, this sparks my mind about, uh, our, our fascination in this culture with competition, like, uh, like American Idol, the voice and like, a lot, you know, a lot of these TV shows now they're great. I, I love, uh, you know, I love them. I love them and I hate them, you know, for, for different things. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you were on, um, season 10 of American Idol. Um, tell me what that experience was like for you and, and, and what, what kind of spun out of that for you? Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to tell you. So there's the, there's two answers that I give when people ask me about American Idol. One is the one sentence, which is, Oh, it was a great experience. Um, And that's the, there's the showbiz response. It was a great experience. I learned so much. Okay. This is what really happened. (laughs) And it was, it really was. I mean, I don't lie. I never lie, but there's Mm -hmm. the one, one sentence. And then there's the the thing. So American Idol uh, first aired when I was 12 years old. And I used to go into my room after I'd watch. And it was the first season with Kelly Clarkson. And I used to go into my room and I'd feel so inspired that I'd start singing and I would pretend to audition for the judges. And then I would pretend that I got yeses from all three of them. And I would just let my imagination go crazy with just like what it would feel like, like everything before I ever knew about like the law of attraction. This is just like my little 12 year old little spirit wanted to just feel that so much. Yeah. Eight years later, um, 
my manager who I'd been working with for a very long time, who was the reason that I had gotten the audition for Spring Awakening for all of the Nickelodeon, everything, Edie Rob, she's wonderful, said to me, your contract is up and I want to renew it, but American Idol is coming to town and I think you should go audition. Mm-hmm. And I think she knew that I just singing was my thing more than anything else. And I couldn't have any repre- representation or affiliation with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in SAG since I was 10, but I had to freeze all of my everything. And I went and I auditioned for American Idol. Um, and I did some research and I saw that in particular, Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson had worn a t-shirt and jeans to their auditions. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wear just like tiny bit of makeup. Like I'm not going to like look like a schlub, but like, you know, let me just go and sing and just do that. Um, and if, if they like my voice, then they'll put me on the show and they can always do whatever they want with me and put me in whatever sparkly gown they want later. And it worked. I went and when you watch the audition, the American Idol audition, um, it was Randy Jackson, Steven Tyler and Jennifer Lopez. And, um, they were wonderful. I they were so awesome and and now you know I'm not I'm not sugarcoating a single thing. I they were so great. I was in line um to go into my audition and um and I uh and then all of a sudden the producers came over to me and said they're going to take a lunch break and they have a meeting. I was the next up to go. I was no. like, I was so ready. <laughs> and so Please. when Steven Tyler walked past me to go get it to go to his lunch. He just like kind of like put his hand on my arm, like acknowledging how much that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And so like an hour and a half later, I came back. Steven Tyler comes up to me, puts his nose like basically in my ear and goes, you better talk loud and you better sing good, you skinny little mini. And he walks away. I was just like, okay. <laughs> so I go on, that's totally off camera. And then I walked in and when I tell you surreal, I mean, this was everything I had seen on TV since I was 12 years old. I was inside of a television. I mean, that's exactly what it looks and feels like. Yeah. And so I was there, I had my number on, my blue t-shirt, my jeans, my sandals, my frizzy curls. and. Um, and I said, I'm going to sing God bless the child for you today. And I ended up singing a couple of songs. They only aired God bless the child. Um, and they said exactly what I thought that they would say, which is you need to dress like you. They said, you need to dress like you believe in yourself Mm. and you need, and this business is about the package. The whole package is about image as well. And so you need to, to dress that way. And, um, I, and I, I felt very excited that they said that and that that they gave me three yeses like my little 12-year-old inner child wanted. And I got to go mm-hmm. to Hollywood, um, Hollywood, which is the Pasadena Sheraton. And, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I went, I think I made a mistake. Now, this is, again, another thing where you don't know the rhyme or reason that was the year it was 2010 when we um filmed and that was the year that like justin bieber had become really popular and like a lot of um a lot of very very young kids were you know justin bieber was how old was he like 12 13. um yeah i was 20 and so 
um i i went i i auditioned um i got through round one in hollywood and in, in pasadena and jennifer looked at me off camera and she goes you got it and i just i it was awesome it was such a cool moment and then the next day i think i made a mistake i put on some red lipstick i put on some tights and a sparkly shirt mm -hmm. i don't know if this is exactly what happened i just know that a lot of things didn't make sense that day mm, and okay. i um and i uh and i went and i auditioned with i had it was the the group of us it was the group round that dreaded group round which really is very intense yeah um but i just all i sang was i see you driving around town with the man i love and i'm like forget you i mean i didn't like hit any high notes or anything like that it was just very like very mild you know but randy said you know it was a bit of a train wreck for me you sounded really screamy hmm. and it really caught me off guard it was like i mean you can cut me but saying that was like i it didn't make sense it just didn't mm -hmm. like it wasn't at things didn't add up um and i put the microphone to my mouth i was about to say something just to like say like please can i have one more chance like i didn't realize until that moment how much i wanted to be on this show mm -hmm. um i really was just doing it to full fill a bucket list thing I put the mic to my mouth and then I thought of all the things that potentially could happen with the footage of that. And I just, in that moment, just put the mic down and said, thank you so much. And I, I walked off stage. And um, so that's like, that's the story. It was so unbelievably cool. And like, it really was a great experience. And I can still hear Jennifer Lopez's voice saying, you need to believe in your, your voice is a star. You need to believe in yourself, you know, hold yourself that way, fix yourself that way. And I think that is a great lesson. I think that's very true that, um, and, uh, and overall, I'm just so happy I got to do it. And ultimately the winner of that season was Scotty McCreary and he was really young. He was amazing. And also he yeah. was young. The two, the two people that were um, him and his runner, runner up, Lauren, were both younger. And I, so I, I've put pieces together over the years, but I, you know, who can really know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, Devin, I love your mindset. I, I love the way you think and mm -hmm. I love um, how it has manifested into a brilliant career for you. Obviously the way that you have chosen, and it is a choice how you have chosen to spin these experiences for yourself and, and what you glean from them and what you, you decided what all of these things meant for you. And you went in to your life and it fueled you. It, it was like rocket fuel for you and pushed you into this beautiful career that you have today that has been like, you know, curated for you, custom made just for you. And um, I think that that is a really, really beautiful journey. And I hope that everyone is as inspired by you as I am. Um, I just, I love it so much. Um, I want to make sure too, that we talk about um, your, your new EP and maybe a couple of things that you have coming on the horizon. First, tell us about the new EP. Oh my gosh. Thank you. First of all, I listen to your music too. And it's cool. You do so much, you have so much versatility in your voice. And I see the things that you're doing, your cover band and the country music and the gospel. And like, 
it, you're an example too of, of how you don't have to choose, how you get to really, I love that word, that you curate your career and you get to really just make what you want it to be. Um, so thanks for having me and, and ditto. Um, I, uh, what, oh, the EP. So, <clears throat> so this year, this was cool. This was a really cool experience. My husband, um, Jeremy, who is a sax player pri primarily, he joined um, me with our with my uh, writing partner Daniel McMains, and Dan is my writing partner and my producer, and I call him my second music husband. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and Dan and Jeremy and I together wrote an EP of happy pop songs called "Who okay. I Am," and "Who I Am" is the title track, and we wrote it um, in. Uh, collaboration with Karen Nightingale, who has Nightingale Music Productions and um, an APM, which is the library that we have all of the songs with, um, mm -hmm. which is essentially it's all through Sony Music Publishing UK. Um, and so this EP that we wrote was specifically for the purpose of production music, for the purpose of sync. Um, but it's all really fun, uplifting music. And mm -hmm. I love the way that it turned out because it's very poppy, but it's also got like the little soul pop elements like I like. Um, and Dan and I also wrote, uh, have been writing a ton of music and we released, I think, four singles this year. And then we paused that so that we could release the EP. And the four singles, the singles that we're releasing together are all in that like soul pop vein have a lot of Motown influences, a lot of singer song, like 70s singer songwriter influences. And I just love all of that stuff. So it's, um, it's another way that I can put music out as me and not worry about what genre it is. Yeah. You know, I um, love that. That's so yeah. cool. I love yeah, it. Thanks I love for asking it. about that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I gotta say, um, uh, Greg Grunwald is in the comments and he's saying Devin is one wise artist, woman, business person, and professional. Awesome. You oh really, gosh. really are. And I, I so appreciate that you, uh, took the time to sit with me tonight and chat. It's been just a pleasure hearing your journey and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, but before I let you leave, um, answer my final question, which is what makes you unstoppable? I was thinking about this today because I know I knew you were going to ask. I think what makes me unstoppable is that I don't want to stop. Oh, yeah. And I think every, every day is a choice. Every happiness isn't always a choice. I honestly don't believe that. But I think that the choices that we make can lead to us being really happy. Um, and on a personal note, this has been a very hard year for me um, too, on top of being a really fun one. And I think you can have both things at the same time, but the hard things that have happened this year have led me to really get to know myself a lot better and really get to sit with myself a lot more. Um, and I don't wanna stop. I love my life. I love my career so much. I love the people that I get to work with and meet that are all over the world. Um, I have the chills right now as I'm talking about it. And there are a lot of days when I just tear up thinking about the music I get to sing and the people mm -hmm. that I get to represent and um, the stories I get to tell all with yeah. my voice, um, mm -hmm. all with writing. And um, I think that we can all be unstoppable because we don't need to stop ever. Yeah. And we're the only ones that would ever make us make ourselves do that. 
Ah, I love that. And I am tearing up too. I'm not going to cry though. I have to go out to dinner still tonight. (laughs) You look great. (laughs) Don't do this to me, Devin. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was amazing. And this, this guy, Jeremy in the comments is saying, um, she's a pretty, pretty great wife as well. I don't know if you know him or not, but I think you've got a Whoever you are, you should like ask me out on a date or something. Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career. Thanks so much for joining.